Our scripture reader this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verses 18 to 27. Luke, chapter 9, 18 to 27. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but others say, Elijah and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Thanks be to God. Mark, good to see you, everybody. It's really good to have you this morning. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Alan. Um, I'm one of the pastors here in our church at Village. Um, we're in a, a sermon series in the book of Luke. Um, and before we get going this morning, um, why don't I pray for us? Uh, this is a, it's a, a hard uh, word in many ways from Jesus this morning. We really need his help um, and the work of his spirit this morning. So why don't I pray for us? Um, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for being among us. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us, given us your word, which is living and, and breathed out by you. We thank you that you've revealed yourself to us through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And we pray that this morning, uh, that once again, we would see Jesus. That you, by your spirit, would open our eyes to see the truth and the wonder of who he is. That our hearts would be open to receive him and our lives will be changed to live for him and for his glory. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. I remember uh, hearing about a book a few years ago called The Big Ego Trip. It was written by a psychiatrist called Glenn Harrison. Uh, and in the book, he talks about a survey that uh, was running in the UK uh, for about 20 years. It was 20 years of asking people in Britain the question, do you think the quality of life in Britain is best improved by A, putting the interests of the community above your own, or B, looking after ourselves? And you know, before the year 2000, the overwhelming majority had chosen option A, that the best way to improve the quality of life for everyone in Britain is to put other people's interests above our own. But by the year 2006, that had swung to the other side. People's view was that the best way to improve the quality of life in Britain 
was to look after me, to look after number one. And it seems to me that, that in the year 2023 in Britain, that viewpoint has never been more popular. The social mantra probably of our day, if you were to sum it up in a, in a phrase, is be true to yourself. We're told that living is about doing what we want to do, about being who, who we want to be above anything else. We're told to carve out our own path, follow our own heart, our own dreams, and, and not to let anyone else get in the way of that. That's the cultural air we breathe. That's what the culture says is the way to find life. But in our passage this morning, did you see Jesus Christ say something entirely different? The culture says if you want life, you must say yes to yourself and follow your own path above everything else. But Jesus says, no, no, no. If you want life, you must say no to self and follow me. Did you see that in verses 23 and 24? Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Culture says life is about living for yourself, being true to yourself, asserting yourself. But Jesus says, no, life is about denying yourself, following me. See, self says, I want to choose who I spend my time. I want to choose who I spend my time with. I want to choose the career I have, how I spend my money. I want to choose how I identify myself, my gender, my sexuality. It even goes beyond that, though, now. It's not just I want to choose those things, it's I get to choose those things. It's my right to choose those things. Why would anyone else get to decide that for me? But Jesus says, if you come after me, if you want to follow me, then living is about saying no to self and yes to me, whatever the cost. Saying no to the things that you want and yes to the things that I want, whatever the cost. And the reality is, if we were living in some parts of the world today, like North Korea or Eritrea, saying yes to Jesus and no to self might be incredibly costly. It might cost us our freedom. It might cost us inclusion in our family. It might cost us our very lives even. But even in Belfast, saying yes to Jesus and no to self, it still costs us, doesn't it? It might mean we have less money for uh, the things that we want, less money than, than some of our friends, because following Jesus means we are giving money away to those in need, to gospel work across this city in different parts of the world. It might mean that we don't have the sort of free time that other people seem to have, because saying yes to Jesus and no to self means that we are giving time to that person in our missional community, in our church, who is really struggling right now, who needs the support of a friend. Or to that mum that we met at Tots or at the school gate, who we know is on her own looking after her children and doesn't really have much other adult contact. Or to that person who lives in our street, that neighbor who we know 
is on his own, has no family around, and is lonely. It might mean that we don't have as many free evenings in the week because saying yes to Jesus and no to self means that we're giving up a Friday night to come here to serve our young people, to invest in their lives, in our connect group. Or, or it might be that, that we stay in a few nights in the week to prepare lessons for a Sunday morning to come and serve our young people in kids' ministry. It might mean that there are relationships in life that we don't have, sexual desires that we never fulfill. There might be some of us who are staying single and pure because we are saying no to self and yes to Jesus, no matter the cost. It might mean that, that there are people who think less of us, who sideline us at school or at uni or at work, who mock us for being associated with Jesus, for believing the things the Bible teaches on issues like marriage and abortion. Jesus says, if you would follow me, say no to self and yes to me, whatever it costs. And the thing that, that's so striking about what Jesus says here is that this isn't something reserved for a special group of super Christians. Verse 23 says, if anyone, anyone would come after me, this is the normal Christian life for normal people like you and me who are looking to follow Jesus. And I love that, that Jesus is so upfront and honest about this with us. This isn't like the small print in the contract, you know, that, that's hidden there that he hopes that, that we never see. Or, or there's no asterisk here that takes you to a foot, footnote at the end saying, just for the really serious, really radical followers. No, no, no. Please, let's not kid ourselves here. Let's not believe a lie that, that this way of following Jesus isn't the way for all who follow Jesus. Jesus says, if anyone, anyone would come after me, anyone wants to take hold of the life that I came to offer, then this is the way I am calling you to live. And the really honest question for us to ask ourselves this morning, as followers of Jesus Christ in this room, is this. Is this what we consider normal? in following Jesus? Or is normal Christianity to us more comfortable than costly? More cushions than crosses? Listen, I, I've been so challenged and convicted this week as I've prepared this because I'm so painfully aware of areas of my life where I reserve the right to live how I want. I hear what Jesus says here, but I've adopted the, the social mantra of the day. The, the culture has influenced me in such a way that I say yes to self and no to Jesus. I count the cost and I think, surely, Jesus, you couldn't be asking me to give that up. Surely you couldn't be asking me to go that way. That's hard, really hard. But Jesus says, no, this is the way. This is the way I'm calling all who wish to follow me. And do you know, the reason he's so upfront and honest with all of us is because he loves us so much. He, he loves us too much to let us believe a lie, to live some kind of pseudo-Christian life, which leads us actually a path away from him rather than to him. And we need to get this this morning. 
We really do. I, I pray that, that God really takes what, what Jesus says here and impresses it upon us, uh, on our hearts with the help of his spirit. Because we must believe that following Jesus, living for Jesus, means daily saying no to self and yes to him no matter the cost. And in a room like this with so many different people, I'm so aware of how that, that might land, how this teaching from Jesus might land. For some of us in the room, we hear this, and you know, it, it makes us rethink everything. <laughs> we, we just overanalyze every situation and scenario in our lives, every moment in this last week of self-assertion, and, and we just doubt ourselves. Do you know, we question whether we're even a legitimate Christian. We think we're the worst of Christians, if people only knew what we're really like. We, we question if we're even following Jesus at all. Listen, if that's you, please, dear brother or sister, Jesus, he, he isn't demanding perfection here. He, he, he isn't even expecting perfection from us. But if the pattern of your life is that you have a heart that is consistently and ever increasingly saying yes to Jesus and no to self with the help of his spirit, depending on him, then, then that is what Jesus Christ is after. So please do not despair. Please do not be deflated. For others of us in the room, maybe Jesus' words here will be to us this morning like smell insults waking us up from spiritual lethargy or from sinful patterns of behavior that we're stuck in. God's word, it's described as a double-edged sword that cuts deep. But it never does that to maim or to kill, but to heal and restore. And I pray that you wouldn't feel the condemnation in Jesus' words or, or, or a desire to leave here, pull your socks up and do better. That's not what Jesus wants. No, I pray that the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life would turn you back to Jesus, that repentance would be the path for you, that you would return to following him, being empowered by him to say no to self and yes to him, whatever the cost. Some of us in the room, you're sitting here today and you're painfully aware of the cost of following Jesus. There are things that you've said no to in life, things that you've let go of in life because you love Jesus. And saying yes to him matters more to you than anything else. Uh, there may be some of you who are, who are going through that. No one else knows about it. But God does. Maybe you're feeling the cost and you're wobbling. You're doubting. You're not really sure if you want to keep doing this. If it's worth doing this. If that's you, I pray for you this morning, that as you live for Jesus and trust Jesus and walk this hard path in following Jesus, that you would be assured that saying yes to Jesus, whatever the cost, is absolutely worth it. That he is absolutely worth it. And that your obedience to him and that your perseverance in following him is a pleasing thing to him. You have made a God-glorifying, Jesus-exalting decision that he will one day reward for you. And there's one more group I want to address in the room this morning. People listening in that wider crowd, maybe, who've been following along after Jesus, like we see in our passage here, who are intrigued by Jesus, interested in Jesus, but not yet following Jesus. And maybe you listen to his words and you think, what? What? 
Why would anyone sign up for this? Why would anyone choose to go this way? Why would anyone want this for their children or for a friend or another family member? Look, whatever your vantage point is as you listen to Jesus' words here this morning, I want to take the rest of our time to just answer the question, why? Why? For you, if you're a follower of Jesus, why this is worth it? Why following him is best? If you're someone who's not yet following Jesus, why following Jesus is worth it for you? The invitation that there is to find life in him, life that, that nothing else in this world can offer you. That, that saying no to self and yes to Jesus offers you. I've got three things, three, three reasons why I think there are so many in here, so many across our world, so many throughout history who have chosen to go the way of Jesus rather than the way of the world. And here's the first one. I think it's because we follow Jesus convinced by who he is. Convinced of who he is. This is what we looked at last week, isn't it? Verses 18 to 22, Mark read them again for us. And if you weren't here or you didn't get a chance to listen, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it again because we said how understanding who Jesus Christ really is, being sure of his identity, is the single most important identification anyone can make in life. Because if Jesus is just another prophet of old, if he's just a good teacher, if he's just a moral example to follow, or a miraculous faith healer who lived over 2,000 years ago, just a normal human being even, like you or like me, who lived and died, then why? Why would any of us say no to self and yes to him, whatever the cost? But if Jesus is who he says he is, if Jesus really is who Luke in his gospel is showing us he is, if Jesus really is who Peter confesses that he is in verse 20, the Christ of God, God himself in human flesh. God, come to our rescue. Come to seek and to save the lost. Our Savior who lived and died and rose to life again. Then that changes everything. Everything. We follow Jesus, firstly, because we are convinced about his identity as the Christ of God. And secondly, we follow Jesus because we are convinced that this is the way he went for us. This is the way he went for us. Again, we looked at this last week, and I think this verse, verse 22, is foundational to understanding why Jesus calls his followers to this kind of life. Jesus, in verse 22, is describing the way he would go to his disciples, the path he would walk in being our savior, in securing our salvation. And he says, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. See, Jesus didn't leave the glorious light of heaven, the eternal relationship that he was existing in with the Father and the Spirit. He didn't leave heaven and come to the darkness and brokenness of this world to see the sights, or to leave a legacy, or to just be a good example to follow. No, he came to this world to be our savior, to seek 
and to save the lost, us, to save us from ourselves, from our sin. Because as humanity, what we have all done in life is we have all said no to God and yes to self. That's the essence of sin. We have all rejected God. And you know, God, he is the one who has the right to our lives. He he is the one that has the right to be worshipped and praised and honored above all things. He is the one that has the right to sit on the throne because he is our loving creator. He is the one who has given us life and breath and all things. All that we have is because of God, because of his grace. But what we have done is we have kicked God off his rightful throne in our lives. We, we believe that, that we reserve the right to that throne. We believe that life without God will be better than life with God. But how has that gone for us? Truthfully, honestly, what is our world really like? Yes, there are glimpses of good, but, but that's because God is gracious. There are glimpses of good, but the overwhelming feeling when you look at our world, is that things are not the way they are meant to be. We live in a world full of disappointment and despair, depression and disease, darkness and disorder. And this is because we have all said yes to self and no to God. We tried to go our own way. We think that that the way to find life is to do this, but it's not. It's not because sin leads only one way to death, not just physical death, but spiritual death, separation from God forever. In a place where there is no glimpses of God's goodness, no signs of his grace. And it is a bleak picture. It's something that, that in many ways doesn't even bear thinking about. But again, this is why God is so glorious. This is why he's so great. This is why we come to worship and praise him because even though for our rejection, we deserve him to just cast us off, to say, you know, you're going that way, just keep going that way. God doesn't do that. He's too loving. He's too gracious and merciful. He comes after us to bring us back again. It's crazy because that's why Jesus came. God in the flesh, God come to our rescue. And this is the good news of the gospel. Even though we don't deserve it, God lovingly sent his son to be our savior. And the way he would be our savior is verse 22, by saying yes to suffering and death for us. He would pay the price that we should pay. He took the penalty for sin and the punishment of death so that we could be free from our guilt before God and given the offer of eternal life with him forever. And if we want that life that Jesus came to offer, then we must deny ourselves. We must die to ourselves by taking up our cross and following him. In other words, we must go the way that Jesus went for us. There are some people in life who ask us to do things that they are not prepared to do themselves. I remember a teacher in school who made us go on on cross-country runs. Um, 
I didn't mind because I, I, too much because I didn't mind running, but I knew there were other people that really didn't like it, really didn't like him because he would always make a point before sending us out of telling us that he'd be sitting in the warm PE store reading his paper with a cup of tea while we slogged out on that run. And it was hard to say yes to that teacher, knowing what he was like, knowing what he was doing. But there was another teacher, younger teacher who came along after, and do you know what he would do? He would come on the run with us. So much easier to say yes to that teacher. Jesus is not asking any of us to do anything that he was not prepared to do himself. And the cost of my saying yes to him is nothing. Nothing compared to the cost of his saying yes for me. At the end of the 19th century, a guy called C.T. Studd was one of the most famous cricketers in England. And he gave it all up. He gave away his family fortune to orphanages in Bristol, and he, and he gave it all up to become a missionary, to share the good news of Jesus in places like China and, and India and various African countries. And people asked him why. Why? Why give up the life of, of fame and wealth and comfort and privilege to go the other way? And he said this famous line, maybe you've heard it, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. I'm not saying that we need to, to be like C.T. Studd. <laughs> we don't need to follow Jesus in, in big, kind of radical ways like that. We might. We might. Some of you might be sitting here and, and there's, a, there's a, a pull in your heart this morning that's making you think again of, of Southern Ireland maybe or somewhere else across the world where there is real gospel need, where there are very few evangelical churches who are preaching the good news of Jesus Christ and you've thought about going there before and maybe there's a pull in your heart again this morning that's saying, why not? Why not go there for Jesus? Why not do it? There might be, though, that there are some of you sitting here this morning, and that pull is more in the ordinary, everyday kind of ways. The living for Jesus tomorrow and Tuesday and the rest of this week. Maybe it's the serving people in many ways, giving of yourself, your time, your energy to help those who are in need. Maybe it could be that the pull is there to speak of Jesus to people in work to cross that pain line in evangelism and to say, who do you think Jesus is? Maybe it might be for some of you the pull to, to say no to that temptation again, to say yes to Jesus and said, to find your satisfaction in him. Maybe it might be for some of you the pull to come to the prayer meeting tomorrow night. That, that Even tomorrow, maybe you're thinking all day, no, no, I'm not gonna do it. It's the last thing you want to do, but there's that pull to come to, to be with other believers, to pray with other believers, the encouragement of that together. See, this is saying no to self and yes to Jesus, dying to self and living to Jesus in the ordinary every day. This is the lifestyle of the Christian, daily, continually, in the big and the small, in the ordinary and the extraordinary, saying yes to Jesus and no to self, whatever the cost, because we know that Jesus 
has gone this way for us. He carried his cross so we can follow him carrying ours. Not as a way to atone for our sins or to make us right with God, no, but as a way to worship the one who has already done that for us. We follow Jesus convinced about who he is, convinced about the way he went for us, and thirdly and finally, we follow Jesus convinced that this is the way that leads to life. This is actually the way that leads to true life, life as we all want it. Because we need to look where Jesus' path led him to, his final destination. Yes, he went to the cross. Yes, he went down to death. But where did he finish up? He predicted it in verse 22. Did did you see that? He'll predict it many more times from now on in Luke's gospel as well. Yes, he must die, but his journey will not end with death. As we read on in in Luke's gospel, we'll see that, that what happens to Jesus is he dies, but then he rises to new life again. Jesus does suffer many things, He is rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, just as he said he would be. He's mocked, he's beaten, he's crucified on a cross. He is buried in a tomb, dead. But then on the third day, he rose to life in power. This is the journey of Jesus Christ, death to life. And if we say no to self and yes to Jesus, it becomes our journey too. In following Jesus, we become united to him in his dying. But we also become united to him in his living. His death becomes our death and his life becomes our life. And that's not just a life that we become partakers of in in the future, in heaven, in glory. It is that. It is that perfect life that, that we long for, that we look forward to, that we hope for. But it's more than that because we live as followers of Jesus Christ in the power of his life now. In the power of his spirit. It's his resurrection power in us which daily gives us the strength and the resolve to say no to self and yes to him whatever the cost. It's his resurrection power in us which daily gives us this kind of otherworldly peace. This unexplainable joy when we do suffer, when we do go down to death, when it is really hard in following Jesus. It's like what Paul says in Philippians 3, as we share in Christ's sufferings, as we become like him in his death, that's how we know him. The power of his resurrection, that's how we live in him and in that power. And following him is what life is all about. That's what Jesus is saying in verse 24 to the end. That's the point he's hammering home. He says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Jesus is saying, if you don't have me, If you do not know me, you may have loads of other things in life. You can have the whole world, in fact. But if you don't have me, you have nothing. See, we think that life is about gaining the whole world. 
getting all the things that we want. That's living the dream, the home, the holidays, the family, the friends. It's when everyone speaks well of you. It's when everyone wants to be around you. But the Bible says, no, that, that's not life. That's not life. That's what the culture says life is, but that's not what the Bible says life is. We were created for something so much better than that, something so much more satisfying and lasting than the temporal things of this world, like fame and fortune. You might know who Matthew Perry is. He's most famous for playing Chandler Bing on the TV show Friends. And uh, he recently released a book. Now, it's a really honest book. He, uh, he's struggled with alcohol and drug abuse over the years. He's had a really difficult childhood. And he's really honest in the book. And it's a real window to look through and see what it's like for someone to gain the whole world. At one point early on in the book, he writes this. The fame was everything I thought I wanted. I was going to fill all the holes inside with the show friends. People were going to like me now. I was going to be enough. But would fame, that elusive lover, really fill all the holes I carried around with me? And the whole book is basically his answering that question, no. He writes, I am constantly filled with a lurking loneliness, a yearning, clinging to the notion that something outside of me will fix me. But I'd had it all, all that the outside had to offer. I think you have to get famous to know that it's not the answer. He considers himself a, a spiritual seeker. And there are moments in the book when you think that, that this man is not far away from discovering the truth about Jesus and the life that he has to offer. But then there are other moments in the book when you read and you think he couldn't be further away. But he says he believes in God. He, he calls himself a seeker. And he writes this, and I think it's one of the most, oh, it, it, in one sense, one of the most harrowing things that anybody could say. And in another, you're just so hopeful. Because he says, that beatific moment is something I still seek. I want to connect into something bigger than me. Because I am convinced it is the only thing that will truly save my life. I don't want to die. I'm scared to die. But he later admits, I never let myself feel uncomfortable long enough to have a spiritual connection. So I fix it with pills and alcohol before God can jump in and, and fix me. There is knowing God and being known by God. There is being loved by him and being led by him. And that, friends, is life. That is the life we were created for. That is the life that, that Jesus came back to this world to secure for us. And Jesus has said that there will come a day, a day of death that Matthew Perry fears, a day that will come for each one of us. And, and on that day, we will stand before him as the king the king of the whole world. He is on his throne and we will see that we could have had the whole world but if we did not have him, we have nothing. We may have lived a little but we never had life. And Jesus gives this warning in verse 26. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him will the son of man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the father and of the holy angels. See, Jesus knows the temptation the temptation to be ashamed of him, to turn away from him. And when we consider who Jesus is, when we are convinced about who he is, that's shocking really, isn't it? 
to think of being ashamed of Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Usually we love basking in the glory of people who we know are great, who are powerful. It's an honor to say that we know them, to be associated with them. Ashamed to be associated with the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who has the power to calm storms and raise people from death to life, who has the power to remake this broken world. Ashamed of Him. Ashamed to be associated with the Son of God who loved us so much that He gave Himself for us. Ashamed to say we know Him. But Jesus knows what we're like. He knows what I'm like. He knows what Peter is like, the very one who confesses that he is the Christ of God. He knows that just a few weeks later, Peter will say, I do not know him, three times. Jesus knows the kind of pressure that we are under in following him. He knows what the culture around us is like. He knows that we might be tempted to be ashamed of him. But he's so loving again and gracious because he warns us. He's warning us here not to walk away from him no matter the cost of following him. Not to distance ourselves from him. He knows that it's going to be hard. But he knows that that if we try and save our lives here and now, we will one day lose our lives forever. And if we think that this is just kind of pie in the sky stuff when you die, look at verse 27. Jesus says, but I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Do you know what he means in that? He's assuring the people who are listening, those who are truly following him, that the life he's talking about, the life in his kingdom, the life being led by him and loved by him, it has begun already. And if you've tasted that life that he has come to offer, you'll know that it's not easy, that it's not comfortable, but that it is the best. It is the way life is meant to be. You'll know that there is nothing more satisfying than knowing Jesus. You'll know that there is nothing more comforting than having the hope of Jesus. You'll know that there is nothing that gives you a deeper joy than being close to Jesus and being protected by Jesus. To the world, to our culture, to eyes blinded to the truth, and glory of Jesus, a passage like this seems outrageous, nonsensical, laughable even. But to the eyes of faith, to a heart that's been gripped by the grace of God, and to a life that is being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, this is life. Will you stand with me? And I'm going to pray for us. Father in heaven, we just praise you now, Lord. We worship you for sending Jesus Christ, your own son, to pursue us, to come after us, to bring us back to you again, to do what we could never do for ourselves, to live the perfect life that we could never live, to to suffer and die the death that we deserve, to die and to be raised to glorious new life again, to to bring all those who trust in him into glorious new life forever with you. 
Lord, we acknowledge that, that we are ones who, who stumble and fall. We are the, the ones who often shrink back and are tempted to be ashamed of you. But we praise you and we thank you that our acceptance and our salvation is not based on us and what we do. It's based on Jesus Christ and what he has already done. And I pray we would just rest in, that, in his finished work. I pray that we would know the power of the resurrection as we go to live for you this week. That the power of your spirit would be at work in us. Reminding us of who we are in Jesus. Reminding us of what he has done for us. And reminding us that, that living this life that so often is hard and feels like death. This is the way that leads to life. To Jesus the one who said that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through him. Father, we praise you, and we pray that your spirit would work in us. And if there is anyone here this morning, Lord, you know who they are. You know each of our hearts. You know all that goes on in our lives. Lord, you know us so deeply. You love us so deeply. And I pray, Lord, if there's anyone who is searching anyone who is standing still at a distance, I pray that they would see that, that life following Jesus is totally worth it. That you, Jesus, are totally worth it. That there is nothing better than being known by you and knowing you, being loved by you and being led by you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to come to the table. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this meal... It is a, a, a physical kind of reminder of, of a spiritual reality. Jesus Christ, he shed his blood for us. His body was broken for us on the cross so that we could be welcomed back to God. He said yes to suffering and death so that we could say yes to him and be brought back to God. So that God would say yes to us how incredible is that? We don't deserve it. But that's why we come and we're reminded of his grace, his grace that is a gift to us. Come to the table if you're weak and you're weary. If you're someone in the last week who, who feels like you have just strayed so far from God, there is grace for you. Come to the table acknowledging your need of a saviour. And God says, you're in the right place. You're meant to be here. This is for you. Jesus died for you. If you're someone who, who doesn't yet follow Jesus, this meal, it doesn't make sense for those who don't follow Jesus. It wouldn't make sense for you to come and partake of it. But what I want to encourage you to do now is, over the last two weeks, we, we've considered Jesus Christ, who he really is what he came to this earth to do. What I would say to you is, if Jesus is who he says he is, if you can believe that it's true, then what is stopping you from saying yes to him and no to yourself? Whatever it is, whatever it is, it's not worth holding on to more than coming to Jesus Christ. It's not you can have the whole world, everything this world has to offer, but if you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. I pray you would consider that. Let's sing praise to God now.